There's so many memories that I have of uh, this, this place, this church, praise the Lord. And I believe that this is the place where God really got a hold of not only my life, but God got a hold of my wife, her, her life, where she really gave her life to the Lord. Uh, I was only saved maybe, uh, I don't know, a few months when we came into this building a long, long time ago, some 23 years ago, 22 years ago or so. And, uh, and my wife still didn't believe that I was saved. Uh, she, she, she couldn't believe that God could save somebody like me. And uh, I remember she, she didn't want to come to church. She would fight me every single minute. She would tell me that they were brainwashing me and, and, uh, and all of that. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest this morning because she was mad for all the stuff that I put her through. But I remember this place. She would sit there in the back, altar call would come, and, and, and I was by then, I was, I was getting involved in being an usher and all that. So I would know who come to the altar, who came in and who didn't. And I would pray, man. There was a message. I would say, mm, this was exactly for my wife. She's going to get saved right here. And I looked to see if there was, you know, any tears coming down or anything. She would be like mad, you know. And I, I'm looking. And after she would be coming this way, she would go to the, to the bathroom or something. I probably, Josie probably still remembers that, you know. Because she was very hard. So I remember that it was this place right here where one day, one day after one message here, she came forward, and I believe that she came to the altar. I don't know if it was the first time, but I think it was one of the first times that she came to the altar and started really giving her life to the Lord. So it's been quite a few years now. But this place brings a lot, a lot of good, great memories, amen. And, and uh, of course, being under Pastor Steve and, and Sister Josie, it just brings a lot of memories to me. In fact, I don't know if I was going to be able to preach uh, uh, at all. I was a mess when the worship was here. I, I started thinking all about, you know, where, where I was brought up, where I got saved. And, and uh, I was broken right there just worshiping God, uh, thinking of all the awesome times and the wonderful memories that, uh, God has given us here in the city of Hayward and the heart of the bay. And this is where God got a hold of my life in this church with Pastor Steve and Sister Josie. And they gave me the love that I needed and the Jesus that I was looking for without even knowing. And my life has never been the same. So I thank you, heart of the bay, Hayward, uh, Sister Josie, and of course, lay Pastor Steve, one of the most awesome leaders that I've ever met in my entire life. And uh, uh, so, so let the legacy continue. Amen. Let this legacy continue. I want to I wanna preach a message to you this morning entitled, if you want to give it a title, is Provision for the Mission. Provision for the Mission. The newspaper has some headlines there on the newspaper. And he said, we can't fight the Taliban. We have run out of ammunition. It's a sad story. A fallen soldier, this is in a newspaper, a fallen soldier has revealed from beyond the grave how patrols in Afghanistan were canceled through a lack of ammunition. Sean Upton of the Royal Artillery disclosed his men fired so much ammunition in one ferocious contact with the Taliban. It was the equivalent of six-day allocation. His team was then left dangerously short when a helicopter carrying fresh ammunition was shot down and resupply took over 48 hours to arrive. Sean, 35, revealed the crisis in his laptop diary. 
for June 29 of last year, a month after he was killed. His widow wife, Karen, 33, said, Reading this makes me feel like he was simply a sitting duck in the middle of that field. Karen and her two children, Yuan, 10, and Holly, 7, added. They said, he never kept a diary before in his life. I think that he knew he was going to die. This simply shows how poorly supported troops have been on the front line. It's a powerful statement that came out in the paper. And I believe, as, as, as I read this, the reason why I wanted to open with this is because I believe that as we do church and as we reach people and as we continue to try to expand and accomplish an awesome vision that God has given us through Victory Outreach International, I believe that the local church and even the church at large, I believe that sometimes we, uh, we run out of ammunition. I believe that uh, there's not enough ammunition to keep on doing what God has called us to do. And so because of that, I believe that also in building strong churches, which we want to do, we want to continue to do, in building strong churches, we're going to need at least three things that need to be done for sure. Number one, we need to have a clear vision or a clear plan of what God has called us to do. Secondly, we have to have the right team. You cannot, you know, even if you have a great vision, if you don't have the right team, the right people, team players, if you don't have team players that want to get it done, then you're going to fall short of what God has really called you to do. But I believe the third one is very important as well, and that is that you got to have a very solid financial base. If you, if you don't have a solid financial base, then you're going to run into trouble. And so because of that, in order to reach, in order to build an awesome church, which I know you're on your way of really building something awesome for the honor and the glory of God, or I should say taking it to another level from where it was before, I believe that these three components are so important in your life and I. And if they are so important, then I got to say something to you. Let's, let, let's get to work on these three things at least to begin to establish something that is going to be so awesome that is going to... I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to say that this church has sent so many people out, so many pastors out there. I believe that the past is still yet to come. I, I, I said when I preach something that it makes sense and it is from the Lord, I said you need to shout. And so I believe that it, there was a lot of people sent out already, but I believe that the, yet, that the best is yet to come. I believe that there's more. I believe that there's more, and they are sitting right here right now. That God is going to use you and I to do awesome things for his honor and glory. Come on, give the Lord a good praise this morning. And so, provision is very important for the church, for your life. And God is a great provider. So I want to encourage you here this morning that God is a, an awesome provider. Individually, you know, God wants to continue to provide for your family. For your children, for your own individual needs in your life, in your family, in your home. But then also, God wants to provide for the church. God wants to make the church strong. We want to have, you know, a double portion of ammunition. When we're talking about taking a city, we want to have the ammunition that God will want us to have in order to impact this community for the honor and the glory of God. And so we're going to look at some things that I believe are so vital and so important. 
to be able to make a difference in our community and around the world. First of all, I want to let you know that God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed, and that's the reason why he wants to continue to provide for you. The word provision, if you're writing notes, you can, you can go ahead and, and write this down. The word provision means arrangement or preparation beforehand. As for the doing of something, the meeting of needs, the supplying of needs. That's the word provision. Now, this word provision is, is, is made out of two words. First, P-R-O, pro, and that means in favor of. You hear people say, you know, pro-marriage. That means in favor of marriage. Pro, it also means before something or proactive. Doing something before the need comes up. Proactive, all right? Being proactive means to prepare in advance for an expected situation. To prepare in advance for an expected situation. In other words, provision means to prepare in advance for an expected situation. Like, for example, God sent his son Jesus. What was he doing? He was bringing provision. He was bringing provision to save the souls of humanity. God knew in advance, so he provided for individuals who will be lost and bound. There was no hope. And God says, I got to provide. Did he provide at the moment? No. The Bible says that when we were yet sinners, God sent his son or God or, or Jesus died for us. Meaning that he did it beforehand. So provision means I'm, I'm going to have something ready before the need arises. And so I'm talking to you this morning because God is taking you step by step to, to places where he wants to take this church. Where he wants to build something so awesome and so great. So we got to look into some things so that God can bring the provision before the need arises. So that when we get to where the, where the need is, there will be provision already in advance. So that this church can continue to move forward for his honor and his glory. You believe that? Then give the Lord a good praise right about there. Come on. God knew that we were going to need also Power, supernatural power. So what did God do? He sent his Holy Spirit. He sent his Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is a provider. So he provided in advance. He brought the provision so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Right? The supernatural power that his children get for the mission. God has empowered us by the power of his Holy Spirit. So that we can go and reach a hurting world. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. I want you to stay here until the, the, the promise, the gift that my father promised comes on you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, he says. And then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the outermost parts of the world. What did he do? He provided in advance. He says, you're going to reach the world. But in order to reach the world with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ, you're going to need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So get what, guess what I'm going to do? My father is going to send the supernatural power because he is a provider. 
He provides. Give the Lord a good praise if you know that I'm speaking truth. Come on now. And then, of course, God also provided in that he establishes or he establishes church. He brought the provision. The church is to evangelize the entire world. So first of all, he provides Jesus, his son, so that he can bring salvation. Secondly, he gives the Holy Spirit to those that are being saved so that we can have the power. And then he establishes his church so that we can come together, worship him. And also together we can come and do ministry so that we can be the light of the world. Hello, somebody. So God is a provider. Is that clear? God is a provider. He is a provider. Now God wants all of us to be provided for. He doesn't want you to be without. When you go without, there's lessons that you need to learn. There's things that need to happen. Sometimes, you know, we, 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 we are in sin. And sin will cut the supply. Sin will cut the supply. Right? Uh, uh, in many different ways. But God wants us to be blessed and to be provided for. I'm going to give you three things real quickly about the provision from the Lord. I'm going to give you three things about the provision from the Lord for you individually. Because God wants to bless you. God wants to provide for you. But then also, I want to look into an area where God wants to provide for the church. So first of all, if you're writing notes, just write this down. In, in, in write number one or A, God's provision does not respect deserts. God's provision does not respect deserts. And then write Psalms 107 verse 35. You can write it later, but you look it up later. Psalms 107, verse 35. The Bible says, he turned the desert into pools of water. And the parched ground into flowing springs. He's talking about God. Remember, he is the great provider. Psalms 107, 35. He turned the deserts into pools of water. And, he part, and the parched ground into flowing springs. And Isaiah 41 verse 8. The Bible says. I will make rivers flow on barren heights. And spring within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water. And the parched ground into springs. Now. I want you to know that God is a provider. I want you to know. That God's provision when he wants to provide, because he is a great provider, God's provision does not respect deserts. Meaning that you can be today in the middle of a desert. You can be in the middle of financial desert. Hello. You can be in the middle of a physical illness or a problem where you find yourself in a desert. All right. A desert, my friend, is a region so dry because of little rain with no vegetation at all. No life at all in that area. A desert is any area in which few forms of life can exist. Or a desert is any place lacking of something. Anybody here lacking anything in an area? I'm sure that there's people that are going through a desert right here, right now. And I got good news for you this morning. I want to let you know that in that desert... In that desert, God is able to turn it around and provide right in the middle of the desert. That's the good news. That's the good news because the Bible says there, it says that God turned the desert into pools of water. Now, can you imagine this? I want you to really imagine this. 
You're going in a desert somewhere in Arizona or, or uh, Nevada somewhere. There's a desert, and you, you go there for days, and you get a flat tire there, and there's nobody with you. You're driving, and then all of a sudden, the other one, the engine goes out or something. You're in the middle of a desert, and you're there for two, three days in 100 and, I don't know, 20 degrees high. And you're right there. You got no food. You got no water. And it's your second day. And, and, and what am I going to do? Can you imagine? People die. God is simply saying, I want you to picture that and understand who I am. I want you to know that in the greatest deserts, when there's water that is needed in the middle of the desert, you're not going to die because I will turn those deserts into rivers of flowing water right where you need it. You can be in a crisis right now, but if you're right with God, I want to let you know that God can turn it all around in the midst of your desert. Somebody need to get excited and give the Lord a good praise. Because God is about to do something miraculous in your life that is going to turn your desert into a swimming pool. Hello, somebody. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, say hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. God is able to turn your deserts into swimming pools. Hello. Full of water. Praise the Lord. Nobody's ever seen in the desert, man, a, a tree with wonderful apples or something like that. Because there's nothing grows in the desert. But I want to let you know that God is able to put all kinds of good trees in the midst of the desert. God is able from one day to the next. It'll take just a word from the Lord. Just a word from the Lord. And God will be able to provide right there and then. Because the Bible says that what is impossible for man is not impossible with God. What's impossible with man is not impossible with God. You may be facing some situations right now. Even as a church, it's exciting. It's the momentum is going. It's beginning a new momentum here. And there's excitement in the air. There's some, some brothers and sisters that have been faithful for a long time. Like Sister Irma, Irma over here. Man, I remember her when I, when I came to the church. Uh, she was a part of the Spanish ministry and and her whole family is here. And she, just to see her here. People that have been faithful for a long time here. Can I tell you something? Man, God is going to use you in such a powerful way. Just because you've been faithful to the Lord. God is always faithful to us. I don't know how many of you want to be used by God to do awesome things for his honor and glory. But you better get ready. Because God is about to turn it all around for his honor and glory. Come on, give the Lord a good, good praise. Thank you, Jesus. God's provision does not respect deserts. God's provision doesn't. Don't look at the desert and say, oh, man, you know, I'm, it's done. It's over. There's no way, Jose. If God, if God wasn't in it, yeah, it, it give up. Let's go ahead and dig our own graves and let's die. Let's bury ourselves. Huh? Let's hit each other at the same time. Both down, right? But no, 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 no. If God is in it, then there's hope. If God is in it, can you imagine? At any moment, he can heal your body. I don't care what the, I don't care what the doctor says. You're in a desert. God can heal your body right there and then because he can do that. He's able to do that. I'm telling you, I just got back from Mexico just a couple days ago. I was there because I had to go and visit my brother and, and the family. His 24-year-old son, my nephew, Manuel, he, he was in a car there in Mexico. He was driving, and, and I think a dog crossed the freeway or something, and he tried to avoid it. 
And, uh, and he went spinning like that, and there was a tree, and bang, hit the tree. A uh, young lady that was with him, she had some broken ribs and all that. He broke all his ribs on the left-hand side, the bone right up here, his arms in several places. And they said when, they, when he arrived, they said, he's done. There's no way, you know, that he can live. And right away they gave me the news. I put it on Facebook, and there was people calling and, and, and sending me messages all the way from the Philippines, from, from, from South Africa, from, from here in, in, in America, pastors that were praying. They had their congregations praying. Within a few hours, we heard that he was able to move his finger. A couple of fingers were able to move. And then they said, you know what, but he can't breathe. He can't breathe. And so they were looking for the doctor in the hospital. They couldn't find. The doctor wasn't there on that, that uh, 2 in the morning. He wasn't there. They tried to reach him, and he wasn't around. Well, come to find out, they went around, and they found another doctor outside. They had to pay him to come and cut him open so that he can see why he couldn't breathe. They had to cut him open right there and then. So the individual came and, and, and opened him up. And he put all the ribs back in place and everything. They were broken in several places. He wasn't just cracked in one place. One rib was like three, four different pieces. And they had to put all the little pieces together. And those, those ribs were pressing against his lungs. That's why he couldn't breathe. It did not uh, penetrate the lungs, but, but it, was, it was there. And guess, guess what? They told me that what they found the heart, and the heart had a little scratch from one of the bones that went right, right by the heart. I mean, you, when you look at all this and you hear that, man, that's a desert, man. That's a desert, man. That, that's, that's a heavy, heavy stuff. So everybody's praying. Everybody. So he put it back in place. Now, I just got back after four weeks. He was in a coma for, for, for a couple of weeks and all. Now, he, I came back. He's now off of the machine. He's breathing on his own. Thank you, Jesus. He's breathing. He's moving his legs now. He's moving his hands and everything. And also, he wasn't able to do this until this last week. When they came into the room, he wasn't able to open his eyes really too much. Now, when they came in, not only did he open his eyes, he was able to hear them come in. And he turned his whole head and he's looking around and he's everything. Listen, my friend, God is an awesome God that in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your difficulties, in the midst of your impossibilities, my God is greater. My God is awesome. Our God is able to do the impossible. If you put him first in your life, listen, my friend, this is an awesome thing that God is doing right here, right now. And I want to say to you, God wants to use you for his honor and his glory. If you believe it, give the Lord a good praise. Sorry that I get excited, but I, I was taught by the best. Got to get excited for Jesus. Got to get excited for Jesus. So there's only one thing I need you to pray for Manuel. And that thing is that his speech will come back. He can't, you know, he can't talk yet, but we believe it's any minute. The doctor had mentioned, well, it's like a big computer that is trying to reconnect with all the parts. And so, so we're really praying that God will restore him completely for his honor and his glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God's provision does not, I said, does not respect deserts. Don't be afraid when you're in the desert if you're walking with God. You are not alone. This is one of the greatest things that we have. That when we accept Jesus in our lives, we're no longer alone. Oh, I remember those days trying to change alone. I remember those days trying to be a different, different individual alone. 
I remember the days trying to please my wife, you know, that I'll be a good husband and all that alone. I remember trying to stop drinking and doing all that stuff because I knew it wasn't right, you know, but I was doing it alone. I'm not alone no more, neither are you. We are not alone no more. You can love again. You can forgive again. You can start all over again. Right there today, you can say, today, I'm crossing the line. I'm going into a new season in my life. Today, I'm making a decision. I'm not going to be the same. And I know I'm going to be able to do it. I'm going to be able to accomplish it. Why are you going to do that? How are you going to accomplish it? Because I'm not alone. I got God that's going to help me. I got the Holy Spirit that's power in me and I got a mission that I need to accomplish that's the reason why I'm still alive today come on somebody gotta give Jesus a good praise you're not done you're not over you're just beginning to do what God called you to do hallelujah God's provision does not respect deserts no matter where you find yourself today at any moment God can come through for you don't be afraid. Just let God do what he wants to do. Secondly, God's provision comes from unexpected sources. God's provision. I've been doing this for a little while now. Thanks to Pastor Steve, Sister Josie, and the church, and Jesus, of course. They taught me how to, how to be a good boy. I was a bad boy when I came in. But somehow they taught me through Jesus and the word of God. You can be a good man. You can live your life to be good, to do good for others. Don't destroy anymore. You build up from now on. God's provision comes from unexpected sources. I find that out. I've learned that. In Genesis 22, 1 through 18, I believe we read it, our opening scripture. We read how God commanded Abraham. To go to a mountain and sacrifice his only son. That's what God was telling Abraham. Get your son Isaac. And I want you to take him and sacrifice him on that mountain that I'm going to show you. Huh? And how the Bible tells us that Abraham early in the morning. Early in the morning he got up and he took his son. He didn't say well I'm going to pray about it. He didn't say God I, re I rebuke you. I, think, I don't think this is God speaking to me. Because it didn't make sense to him that God would ask him to do that. And yet God says, I'm going to show you where I want you to take your son. Because I'm going to show you uh, uh, the place. And I want you to take him and sacrifice him there. So the Bible tells us that Abraham got up early in the morning, took his son and other two servants. The Bible says that he got a donkey and then he got his son with him. On the donkey, they put the wood that they needed for the altar, the burnt offering. And then to his son, he gave him a... a he, he, no, he got the donkey and his son with him. And then he took the fire with him. He took the fire with him and the knife, the Bible says. And they got to a certain place where he told the servants, you guys stay here. Now just me and my son are going to go up there, but we're going to come back. And the Bible tells us that he got the wood that had on the donkey and put it on his son. Hello, now generation. It's, well, you're young, son. Get the wood. You're strong like a donkey. <laughs> I get the knife and I get the lighter. Get the wood, son. So the Bible says that, that they were going uphill. It was a mountain. The Bible says that they were going and at some point he done on his son, uh, on his son Isaac. And he says, hey, dad, dad. He says, you know, <clears throat> you know, dad, 
it's getting pretty heavy here. Uh, we got the wood. I got the wood. And, uh, I got the wood. You got the knife and the lighter, the, 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 the fire. But where is the burnt offering? He didn't know that it was him. He said, well, where's the burnt offering? And then the Bible tells us that his, son, that his dad looked at him and he says, oh, son, don't worry. God will provide. And he did it like that, too, with this kind of voice. Don't worry, son. God will provide. So his son can believe it. You know, he gets a little deep like that. He said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. Huh? I can only do that because uh, Toby prayed for me for a triple anointing. He didn't, he didn't say double. He said triple. I said, whoo, I felt it. I felt that triple anointing. And so the Bible says that now all of a sudden he got, he got the voice asking him and he says, God will provide. The Bible says that they went up to the top of the mountain. And when they got to the top of the mountain, I'm sure he doesn't say that, but you got to read between the lines. He was looking and saying, okay, God, you really want me to do this, huh? So he got the wood and put it on there and then he went he went and got the son Isaac and put it on top of the wood and get, guess what the Bible says? It says he tied it down he tied him down he put a rope and tied him right there why would he tie <laughs> I, I, I think well, he doesn't say that but maybe boy says hey wait a minute dad wait a minute come over here boy Ugh. all right now you're ready he wanted to run probably he wasn't going to stay there he knew what that meant and the Bible says that, 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 that he was ready to sacrifice him with a knife. And when he was ready to sacrifice him with a knife, that there was a voice. There was a voice and the voice said, do not touch that boy. Do not do anything. Do not harm that boy. He says, now I know that you trust me. It was a test. And now I know that you trust me. And he says, and Abraham looked up and up a little higher. He says, he saw a ram caught in a thicket. He saw that there was a ram right there cut in his horns. He, he was between the, in the bushes, and he couldn't get out. So right there, let the boy go, got the ram right there, and put it on the altar and sacrificed that for God. So his son was saved. He was saved, and they went on to do great and mighty things. What I'm telling you right now is that sometimes God will provide in different ways, in different manners. He's never going to come to you and provide for you in the same way all the time. You may be saying, oh, God provided like this this time. And so I'm going to wait, and I'm going to be looking at this way where God is going to bring the provision. Many times God comes from from left field. Hello. I learned that from somebody that was said sometimes God and your provision will come from left field. Sometimes you don't know where he's coming from. You may be expecting that God is going to do it this way and God's going to do it in a whole completely different way. Why? Because God's provision comes from different sources. Give the Lord a good praise if God has ever provided for you in different ways. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings 17 to through six, you can just write it down real quickly. The Bible tells us that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he says, go from here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink of the brook. And I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. It's another way that God provided. Listen to that. 
The Bible says that there's a prophet. There's a great uh, uh, recession in that particular part of the country. And that God told his prophet. He says, I want you to go to this area over here. And what I'm going to do for you is that you're going to be able to drink water from the brook. And I have order. I have given an order to the ravens to come and feed you every single day. Now let me ask you this. Who, 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 who's who's going to say, you know, hey. I know that God's going to provide for me, and there's going to be a big old blackbird that's going to be coming through and going to and going to drop a you know a big old piece of steak at 8:30 in the morning and at 5:45 in the afternoon and a glass of milk. No, I'm just kidding. He's going to be able to do that. I mean, when you think about that, it's like, come on. But you know why God gives us those so that you can understand that God is able to provide for you and for me. At any given moment, the way that he wants to, and there's nothing impossible for him. If God was able to do it for this man, that there was a bird going by every single day. And he was bringing food for him in the morning and also in the evening. You can rest assured that God is able to provide for that house, for the rent, for whatever situation that you're going through. God will provide because God is an awesome God. Now, I, 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 can, I can go in a whole different direction here, but ravens are unclean uh, birds. Just, just so you can think. Of, God will provide from unclean birds. You know that the Bible says that the wealth of the, the wicked is stored up for the righteous? You, 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 unclean birds will come and drop money. Hello, somebody. Unclean, unclean, unsafe. Pagan people will have money saved for the church. Can you believe that one? If you believe it, give the Lord a good praise. I'm seeing it already. So if God is able to use the ram, God is able to use the ravens, God is definitely able to provide for us. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, Matthew 17, 27, he says that Jesus told Peter, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish that you catch. Open his mouth and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. How would you like to just go to the lake? Catch a little fish, open the mouth of the fish, and there is the provision, the money that we need to pay our taxes. Hey, hey, that's, that's, that's what the Bible says right here. That's what happened. That's what happened. We, we need to go and find some fish. We need to go get some fish. All right, all right, don't throw the chair at me right now. Right? God is simply saying, don't, don't, don't count me out. Don't count me out. Because I'm able, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if I did these miracles in the past, I can still do those miracles today. If, if I was able to come through in the most difficult situations in the deserts of people's lives, situations in their lives, you can rest assured that I'm coming through for you. Because in life, you will face some situations, some Red Sea experiences where you come, where the enemy seems like he's chasing you. Sometimes there will be fear in your life about certain situations and you don't know what else to do. And you feel like there's no way I'm going to make it. But God is able in those situations to open the Red Sea if he has to. 
to, he's able to open up the water so that you and your family and your descendants, that you can walk on dry ground to the other side. And then on top of that, when the enemy says, I know that you think that you got away, but I'm still on your tail. I'm still going to get you. God is able to close the waters so that the enemy can drown in the midst of that particular situation. Our God is a provider. He's able to provide for you. He's able to come through in the most difficult situations if you allow him to. This morning right here, you made the right call. You got up and you came to church. You know why? Because God wants to let you know this morning that whatever your situation may be, he's still a part of this whole situation in your life. He will come through for you. He will give you favor. You will get a job. He will do awesome things in your life. He will be able to minister to you and your family because that's what he wants for your life. Come on, give him a good praise if you think that God is able. Do you think that God is able? I want you to go ahead and give him a good praise. If you think that God is able, I want you to give a high five to your neighbor. Come on, give a high five to your neighbor. If you stay, come on, I want you to tell him, God is going to come through. God is going to come through. Come on, God is going to come through. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise right now. God is an awesome God. He will come through. Sometimes, you know, you know the reason why we, 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 we don't, we don't, uh, we, we come to a place where we can't make it another day? It's because our mind is already thinking on the negative. We're already thinking, we're thinking, he's not coming through, I'm not going to make it. And you know what? You find out that after a day, two, a week or two, or a month or two, you find yourself on the other side of the situation. And somehow everything worked out. So that means I didn't have to go through what I went through. I mean, as far as thinking and feeling the way that I was feeling. What if I would have stayed trusting and believing God the whole time? Maybe this altar that I have now wouldn't be there. If I just chose in the midst of my desert to trust God. It is difficult. It's not easy. It's very hard. It's not easy. But God says, look. I'm going to get you through the situation to the other side. And if God says he's going to get you to the other side, he's going to get you to the other side. He's going to get you to the other side. Somehow, I don't know if he's going to use a bird. I don't know if he's going to use a ram. I don't know if he's going to use a fish. I don't know. But I, can, I know one thing. God can use anything and everything when he wants to provide for his children. And can I tell you something? God wants to provide. So this morning, I want to say to you, get ready. Because God's provision is on its way to your life and your situation. God is a provider. Come on, give the Lord a good praise. Thank you, Jesus. And then lastly, the last thing I want to share with you is that even though God doesn't respect deserts, God is able to turn them around. Secondly, God's provision comes from unexpected sources. I want to let you know that God uses his people as the main channel of provision for the mission. God may want to use a bird. God may want to use a donkey. God may want to use a fish. God may want to use the unsaved, the ungodly to, to, to provide finances every now and then or all the time. Whatever God wants to do, he, he does it. But if we're talking Bible and we're talking truth here, most often than not, God would use 
people, his people, to provide as provision for his mission. How many know that we're on a mission? How many know that God has given us an awesome vision? God has given us an awesome vision and he's putting us on a mission to be able to get it done. Huh? Here in, in Mark chapter 3, maybe we can just go there. Then with this we're going to be landing here. We're going to be coming to a close. But if you go to Mark chapter 3, verse 13, give me a loud amen when you find it. Praise the Lord. And then give me some mercy for those that, that are there. And I am not there yet. Just wait for me, all right? Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 3. Give me a loud amen when you find it. And verse 13. 13 through 16. The Bible says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. And to a power to heal sickness, and to cast out demons. And then he begins to give us the names of those that he called, the disciples. God needed leadership in the church. He was about to establish his church. He's going to reach the entire world. And he has a plan. He didn't go after the birds or after the fish. He didn't go trying to find a donkey or trying to find a ram. When God wanted to establish his church and the leadership of the church that would take it for generations and generations and generations to come. Because he promised at the very beginning upon this rock, upon Jesus, he's the son of God, upon that truth, I'm going to establish my church. And all the powers and the governments from hell and darkness would never be able to stop the church from advancing. That's what he said. That's what he promised. And then he goes and finds the right leadership to be able to get the church going and moving in the direction that he wanted it to. It wasn't plan B. It wasn't plan C. It wasn't plan A. It was the only plan that God had from the beginning. That he would use people. That he would choose what he did here. He went and chose those that will be, that will be the individuals that want to start this movement. The church. The ecclesia. And move forward and reach a generation and a world that was dying. 2,000 years later. Here we are. The church is still here. You know why? Because God never makes mistakes. I'm going to say that again. God never makes mistakes. He chose some individuals. The most unlikely people, really, at that time. He didn't go to a church, to a cathedral. He did not go to the uh, universities to find the most educated, astute people on the planet. He went and got ordinary people, just like you and I. He just went out there and got some fishermen and tax collectors. And, and he went out there and he found different people. And, and, and he brought them all together when he taught them and discipled them. And then he got them together when he says, I'm on my way out. I'm on my way to my father, but the Holy Spirit is coming down. But I selected the group and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. And you're going to turn this world upside down for my honor and my glory. You're going to take this gospel to the four corners of the world. He selected because... The church needed provision. It needed leadership. It needed, it needed individuals who would be sold out for the honor and the glory of God. And then also here in Matthew chapter 16. Just go to Matthew real quickly. Matthew chapter 16. 
you have it, say, I got it. 16, and then we begin reading there on verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He says, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm providing something. I'm bringing a church for the purpose of reaching the entire world. Then the last scripture is in Acts chapter 4. With this one I close. Acts chapter 4. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise, the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 4. The Bible says here. You have it? Verse 32. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 32. It said, now the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Talking about the church now. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet and they distribute to, distributed to each as anyone had needs. And then he talks about Barnabas, what he did. And he talks about other people, what they did. That when God, there was a great revival going on. There's a great momentum going on. God is about to do something awesome. He's establishing this church. He, he chose the leadership. And now he says, now what's going to happen is that we're moving. But there's needs within the church. There's needs within the people in the church. There's people that are coming and they don't have nothing to eat. There's other people that are coming and they can't do this and they can't do that. And, and, and the church has to. Can I tell you something? The church is the first one that needs to be in place and provided for. In order for the rest of the community to have hope. Oh my God, I got to say that again. Because that came out too good. The church is the first place that needs to be established properly. And be provided for. Because if there is an overflow of abundance within the church, the community has hope. If the church is broke. If the church don't have ammunition. If the church don't have the ammunition needed to fight the enemy off. Then what's going to happen is not only the church is going down, but the people has no hope. Do you know that the hope of the world is the church of Jesus Christ? Do you know that the hope of Hayward is the church of Jesus Christ? Do you know that the hope of Hayward, the homeboys, the homegirls, the families, those that are out there lost and bound. Do you know that the heart of the Bay Church, victory every cheer in Hayward. Do you know that it is a must that this church stays established? Do you know that it's a must that this church has enough provision to get it done? If we don't have the ammunition, we cannot fight the enemy. That says... I have a way to providing because my my church has needs. They were building the church. They had a momentum that were sold out. And after they saw the needs, you know what happened? It's a Barnabas, son of encouragement. He says, hey, wait a minute. I got a field. I'll be back. And he went and got his property and sold it. Sold the property. And I don't know how much money he got, but he came. He says, this is what he did. 
he got all the money he got, and he came, and he says, here it is. I sold the property. Whatever is needed, just go ahead and take this and do whatever you need to do. And other people were doing the same thing. And by the way, somebody that, that wanted to appear like he was, like they were sold out for this thing, they went and sold the field, and then they got like half for them. And then they came, and they said, here, here, here it is. We sold our field. And the apostle says, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, how much did you sell it for? And he said, well, there it is, the money. I put it all, is this all that you, that's all, I, that's all I got for my property. And he says, you haven't lied to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you're going to drop dead right now. He says, the minute he finished saying that, that guy dropped dead. It was a great fear amongst the church and amongst the people. Everybody wanted to do what God had called them to do. There was no room to be playing around. They knew that there was a mission. The Bible says that then his wife, without knowing that his wife, without knowing what happened to her husband, came knocking at the door. Hi, pastor. How you doing? And he says, yes, the sister coming in. I got a, I got a question for you. Uh, your husband came and he, he deposited money here. Uh, he sold the, the field over there at your house and uh, he sold all these different things. He said, how much did you guys get for that house? Did you guys bring everything? Oh, yes, pastor. We got some. And she said, like, how much it was, but it was only half. And he says, you are, you're not a sold out Christian. You got a little problem there and that is lying. And because of that, the same feet that came and took your husband out to bury him are, are knocking at the door right now. They're about to come in, so that means you're going to drop dead right now. The wife also dropped dead. <sighs> you think that provision, money, finances, has no, you, you know, whatever, it's, it's okay, everything's taken care of. God thinks very highly and very important the resources. How you manage your resources, how you deal with your resources, what you do with your money. If you got God in the midst, in the center of your finances, you may have God in the center of going to church and your family and all that. But you got to have God in the center of your finances. Why? Because he gave it to you. And guess what? He's not broke that he's out there biting his fingernails in heaven thinking of how am I going to pay the rent. That's not God. God has more than enough, but he wants the best for you. He wants the best for me. And he says, the money that I give you, the job that I give you, the check that you get every week or every month or bi-weekly make sure that I'm first in your life because if you honor me with your finances, if you honor me with your resources, I'm going to bless you. God is about to bless this church but guess how he's going to bless the church by blessing you and you and you and you and you. God wants to provide for every one of you. So you got to put them first in the area of finances. When you get your check, get 10% from the top and bring it to the house of God. It says, God, God will provide for me and for my family. Come on, give the Lord a good praise. We got to have a revival in this area. After pastoring a few years. Can I tell you something? Some of the greatest challenges that the church faces is lack of ammunition in the area of resources. Oh, if we had the resources that we need. How many people, how many churches, how many satellites, how many buildings, how many things we would do for the honor and the glory of God. But listen, listen, God wants to go ahead and do it. But he's going to use his people. 
We need a revival in our hearts and in our minds that says, God, I know that you can use birds. I know that you can use a fish. But, oh, God, you can definitely use me. I want to thank you. I was lost. I was bound. I was addicted. I was dying. And when you came and touched me, you revived me. You gave me hope. You gave me life. And because of that, I got no problem coming with 10% and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because there's more where God gave you that. There's more and more and more. God's going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the church and to the community. Come on, somebody need to give us, somebody need to give him a shout. I get excited about this area because God will provide. Come on, everybody standing now. God is going to provide for you. God is going to provide for you. God is going to take care of you. In the midst of that recession. I lost a house. I was buying a house and it just came down and I had some high payments and it was hard. And I said, no, I got to let go. Got to secure the church. I'm sure the church is, well, man, you go through that as a pastor, as a minister, and, and the devil tried to mess with you. The devil messes with you. Hey, you're an example to the congregation, to the community. You're, you, you said that your God is so awesome, that you, your God is so powerful, that God is able to provide. You preach all this, but yet you're losing, you're losing your house. But they will come and whisper at you. Some, some of you have faced some of that. Some of you have to walk out and, and, and go to a smaller place, maybe not having a place for a little while, and your kids are watching, and you're like, man, I'm a half a man because I can't provide. God has seen those tears. And God has seen what you've gone through. God has also seen your faithfulness. That you haven't let go of God in the midst of this whole thing. You haven't let go of God. And I can tell you that God is turning around. Not only in my life, but in your life. Just a couple of days ago, we went to see an awesome house. A beautiful house. And somebody else already had a, they already had a, 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 an offer. I put an offer and the bank accepted and all that stuff. And they're about to say, well, I guess we, my wife really liked it. And I, I just went to see it. And. It's a beautiful house. You know, it's half price of where it were four, five, six years ago. And so we need it. We've been, since we've been in, in, in Santa Rosa, we moved like, I don't know, six, seven, eight times. That's nothing compared to Pastor Steve and Josie when they were here. So I haven't, you know, sacrificed, but, you know, we can take it because we love Jesus and we love the ministry. We love people. Now all of a sudden they told me, hey, your credit score came out at this. I said, really? I wasn't even really thinking about it. He said, yeah, it's already up here. You qualify for so much. I said, really? I looked at this house. It's exactly what I needed. So I put, I put my, 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 the offer, and they said, no, we already got one. Okay. So they go back, and they said, for whatever reason, the bank threw that one out. And so you're next on the list. So now they got, they got my, my thing, and, and we're like, oh, man, they may call us any minute now so that we can buy a nice house for my family, for my kids. When we gone through all of that stuff, listen, my friend, you never know why you go through what you go through. You don't know. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He just spoke to me right now. Sometimes your deserts, your deserts that you go through, you don't know why you go through. Sometimes you are only preparing and having and developing ammunition for another man or woman of God that will come by later. I got to bring scripture to, to, to show you that one. The Bible tells us that he, the, 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 the men of God, the men of God, 
was walking. And as he was walking, was it Samson? Samson. Samson was walking. And the Philistines were, 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 they were all around him and they wanted to kill him. And the Bible tells us that they were all surrounding him to kill him. And he looked and he looked and he saw a jawbone of a donkey. There was a jawbone of a donkey that was right there on the side. He grabbed the jawbone of a donkey. And the Bible tells us that he killed 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Oh, what, what, what does that mean? Eight months prior to that, a year prior to that, six months prior to that, there was an individual who had a little donkey and he had all kinds of grain and a great harvest. And he, he, was, he was using the donkey to feed his family. Listen. And he was going in that area. And all of a sudden, didn't know why, the donkey dropped dead. And he died. And the man was upset. Why in the world my donkey dies right here when I need him the most? He dropped dead. What did he do? I guess I got to leave that donkey there. He's dead. So he grabbed the goods that the donkey was carrying and took it home and left the donkey there. Knowing, listen, or not knowing, but God was all knowing. He knew I got to drop that donkey dead now eight months prior. Because in eight months, my servant, my man of God is going to be right by the donkey. Where the donkey lay dead, is going to be right there. And it's going to be life and death situation. The enemy is going to have him all surrounded like he's got no hope, but I got to provide for him now. So the donkey died so somebody else can make it. Sometimes you will go through some difficult times in your life because somebody else will make it because you went through the difficult time. Pay the price and let somebody else live. Lift up your hands all over the place, all over the place. Come on, lift up your hands all over the place. Sometimes, don't get upset, don't get mad, don't get discouraged, don't want to give up. Come on now, come on now, don't get depressed when your donkey dies. Sometimes when those dreams die, sometimes when you go through that desert, God is simply preparing a powerful weapon for another servant of God, another family, another drug addict that God wants to save. Sometimes you got to pay the price. And it's okay. It's okay. Because Jesus paid the price. And he showed us how we got to remain faithful. Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. Because your provision is here in our lives every single day. God, we know that you're a great provider. There's people in this room, oh God, that are going through difficult situations right now. But Father, I don't want to get all sentimental in that area. I want to get excited and say, that's a great opportunity for a miracle from God. God's going to turn it around. God's going to turn it around. God's going to turn it around. You begin to speak it. You begin to claim it. You begin to, you begin to really declare, declare, make a declaration. My God will provide. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. My God will come through for me and my family and my children. 
My God is going to open up a door so that I can get a job. My God is going to increase my income so that I can have enough to meet all the needs in my house. My God is going to continue to bless me so that I can be a blessing to this church. So that we can have what we need. So that we can establish God's kingdom. So that we can do what God called us to do. Come on. We got to reach Hayward. We got to reach the bay. We got to be reaching. Especially if this is the heart of the bay. He's got to go from here everywhere. But we need the provision from God. God Almighty, we thank you. We praise you. We adore you. Hallelujah. 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 Now as we continue to play, are they continuing to play and they're going to sing a song? I want from all over the place. Those that are saved today, I know that God is going to provide. I find myself in a situation. I find myself in a circumstance. There's areas of my life that I need provision for and I need to be provided for because I want to be a provider. I want to provide. If it's you from all over the place, come on. I want to pray for you first. If you say, man, I'm in a situation right now and I need God to come through for me. Come on. Come all over. Come all over. Come all over. God is here. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. higher than 